Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with the Moving Target. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC, AAPA, and AMAPRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the Claim Credit button on the webinar console. Otherwise, please go to covid19.dkbmed.com, navigate to our multi-specialty episodes, and select the webinar to claim credit. Today's learning objective is to discuss effects of vaccines, including boosters, on risk of severe COVID-19. This educational activity is supported by independent medical educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, as well as in-kind support from DKB Med. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Lawater, Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Allwater, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Faith. Many parts of uh, the United States uh, have been seeing declining numbers of Omicron uh, infections in the community, um, hospitals uh, have hopefully fewer patients, but there's still uh, many parts of the country where uh, infections may still be uh, still causing a significant strain on hospital resources. Over the past, uh, now going into the third month since we've uh, been handed Omicron uh, starting in November of 2021, we're getting a better sense of the impact of this particular variant, which has become dominant in the United States, uh, representing over 99% of sequenced isolates. Uh, the National Health Service in the UK, uh, because of their standardized uh, approaches to care and uh, uh, coordinated uh, data collections, has been helpful to try to get a sense for what the SARS-CoV-2 pathogen has done in terms of uh, human health. And I think you can see the sense that the original uh, Wuhan, the ancestral strain, and then if you look at January of 2021, the alpha variant um, had significant lethality uh, of over 1% of people infected dying, at least in the United Kingdom, which uh, previously held one of the records, at least for industrialized countries with the highest death rates. Um, but uh, what's happened really through the uh, spring and summer of last year, and now in the fall, you can see uh, decreasing uh, uh, fatality ratios of infections, such that now it's approximately twofold more um, severe than seasonal influenza. Still nothing to be uh, sneezed at, uh, of course, and uh, in an average influenza year, estimates are anywhere from 12 to 60,000 deaths. So uh, you can certainly uh, do some math for the United States there. But importantly, just recently, the United States has surpassed Britain in terms of having the highest number of deaths per population. Uh, and this may be from a number of factors, but probably is mostly related to still a substantially under immunized uh, section of our population. Uh, 
Now, turning to the United States, the Centers for Disease Control has compiled some data, again, just over the past two months, um, that has really been remarkable. I think everyone realizes that the contagiousness of Omicron was just really astounding. And the number of cases per day uh, crested at nearly 800,000. And even though it appears to be milder, um, the uh, number of infections uh, increased uh, nearly twofold, but still, luckily, nothing as if, if we had Delta or earlier variants with those numbers. I think we would have seen substantially more uh, impact on hospitals, patients, and deaths. Uh, so um, certainly where community rates are still very high, um, uh, it's prudent to be cautious and take mitigation measures. But one of the uh, things that has become increasingly apparent is that if you've had your mRNA vaccines, and that's Pfizer or Moderna, uh, but have gotten additional dose, uh, dose number three, as it were, uh, the ability to prevent hospitalization seems to be uh, increased rather dramatically. So uh, you can see for immunocompromised people that might be at most risk, those people that started to get third doses back in August, uh, elevated their uh, protection from hospitalization. And then uh, for people that are immunocompetent, um, the booster uh, uh, also got it up to nearly 90%. You might say that looks a bit less, but uh, remember many people uh, here may have gotten uh, boosters uh, at different times and uh, people in that earlier group. But uh, the big picture message here is that you get a, a substantial level of additional protection by getting that booster dose. Now, unfortunately, this message I think still is not yet uh, uh, resonating with our uh, patients or the public to the degree that it ought to. Um, the number of average weekly deaths, I think, tells the story better than any other means. If you're completely unimmunized versus those people that are either immunized or have gotten a booster, you can see such a substantial decrease in your likelihood of death. Unfortunately, the number of adults who have been boosted in the United States uh, stands no more than 30% uh, based on estimates, uh, and that's lower than other countries. So again, we're a bit behind uh, given the uh, amazing uh, abilities of these vaccines to prevent a serious infection, hospitalization, and death. Um, it, it's a message that we hope to really uh, tell our patients, and, and hopefully this kind of information can help convince people with little doubt um, that immunization, but especially if you add on booster or additional doses, uh, prevent serious illness and hospitalization as well as death. There's little doubt that prevention is the key here. Although we have treatments, uh, those are imperfect at best, and playing catch up, which at times is still yet a very serious infection. And although we hope there will not be new variants, um, being prepared for such immunizations give you the best chance as well. So Faith, we have some questions. Yes, we do. And thank you so much for that information. Um, our first question here is, what do we know about the relevance of the BA.2 variant? 
Yeah, the BA.2 variant uh, seems to have been derived from Omicron and was first identified also in South Africa like the Omicron variant. Some early data from Denmark suggests this variant's even more contagious than uh, Omicron, maybe about one and a half times that of Omicron. Now, whether it causes more severe illness or not is not clear. This particular variant has uh, 32 of the same mutations as Omicron, but 28 different ones. And again, some uh, data has suggested that actually our vaccines might respond better to the BA2 variant than Omicron. So I don't think there's uh, much concern yet about BA.2. Uh, uh, the WHO has not labeled it a variant of concern. It has been identified in over 50 countries and in at least half of the states in the United States. So there'll be continued monitoring on this question, Faith. Very good to know. Thank you so much. Our next question is, what are the advantages and disadvantages of the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine compared with the others? Yeah, Faith, you know, the Novavax vaccine had very high hopes early on. This is a protein subunit vaccine, very similar to hepatitis B, uh, the pertussis component, and the uh, tetanus uh, diphtheria acellular pertussis vaccine. So it has a long history, uh, but is complexed with an immune adjuvant that really gave some of the highest antibody responses in early uh, phase trials. Um, there have been some manufacturing and other clinical trial issues, so they're a little late to the party here. Um, but this is a two-dose vaccine. It's also one that only requires standard refrigeration. Um, it looks from the New England Journal article from this past fall when the phase three study results were um, uh, published that has about a 90% overall vaccine efficacy, which is certainly in the same neighborhood as the mRNA vaccines. Uh, also, some other preliminary data suggests that uh, people who have gotten the Novavax um, immunizations uh, do have um, activity, their SEER has activity against uh, the Omicron variant. I think where this role is important, even though obviously so many people have been immunized, for those people that may be hesitant to get mRNA vaccine, uh, thinking that it's a new kind of vaccine or one that they have some uh, caution or fears about, it does give another alternative. Um, this is one that is more in the tried and true department, so uh, may have some attractiveness if uh, the FDA clears it for uh, emergency use authorization. Also, there are some people, uh, rare, but have uh, reactions to vaccines, uh, either the mRNA or uh, the Janssen, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So it, it, again, gives us another alternative. So I think it will be welcome. Uh, we don't know, or it's not been indicated yet, whether the FDA will uh, 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 put together an expert panel or authorize it just based on their own internal review. Okay, fantastic. And here's our final question today. What are your thoughts about the rolling submission for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children under five? Yeah, so um, the reduced dose of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine, I think, used a 10 microgram dose for children under five. And this two-dose series uh, 
oddly worked or at least seemed to cause sufficient immune responses in children six months to two years, but not in the two to four year age range. Um, and what Pfizer is proposing is that even though there are issues with their uh, pediatric trial in this age range, they are asking for emergency use authorization while uh, their clinical trial examining the role of a third dose is in progress and may not be reported until late March or um, thereafter. So this is rather unusual. I think it's probably unprecedented that the FDA would um, uh, face this. Uh, so the FDA is um, uh, based on uh, probably extrapolating from what's happened in immunodeficient patients and others, thinking that a third dose uh, may do the trick. Regardless, uh, the FDA is putting together an expert panel for review in the middle of February. And of course, then it still needs to go through the CDC and the ACIP process. So um, I, I think this is not uh, necessarily a done deal and will likely be controversial. Okay, thank you again for those updates, Dr. Alwater. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit us at covid19.dkbmed.com. Again, thank you for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19. Thanks again, Dr. Allwater. Yeah, thank you, Faith, and hope you are all well, and uh, we'll have additional programs uh, soon uh, forthcoming.